What's up, crew? This is Brandon Gredler, and you're now listening to Cocktails and Questions, the podcast for each episode. We have some cocktails, and we take a look at the world of technology and business. This time around, I'm back again with Ben Gaddis and James Lanyon as we talk about Facebook's announcement of Oculus Rift updates. Got us thinking about VR and the evolution of that. When is it actually going to deliver on the things that we've been thinking about for quite some time? Got into some debate about AR, VR. We even talked about our friend down the road who uh, authored the book Ready Player One. It was a fun one. It was brought to us by our friends at Blue Owl Brewing while we were enjoying some delicious spirit animal, which is one of my favorite sour beers going on. For everything that they're doing in Austin, Texas, in the world of sour beers, check out blueowlbrewing.com. So tune in and drink up. This is Cocktails and Questions. All right, what's up, crew? How's it going? Welcome back, Cocktails and Questions, a podcast where we uh, have some cocktails and think about things. Uh, ben Gaddis, James Lanyon for the Ocho episode. El Ocho. El Ocho, number number eight, because I have a deep love for dodgeball. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the greatest Lance Armstrong <laughs> appearances of all time. Uh, you guys remember that scene? Yeah. In the airport, and he's thinking about quitting and going home. Um, <laughs> speaking of sports, Astros won, Cleveland lost, which is great. There you go. Fuck the Indians. But uh, we're back, man. Uh, Thursday afternoon, Austin, Texas. Um Catching up on a lot of stuff, man. Uh, ben, you're, big you're particularly excited about something that just happened. Yeah, so had a big week. So uh, Oculus, Facebook, a new announcement. Uh, Zuckerberg. So, yeah, uh, this is just, what is our third week in a row where we've got hardware announcement after hardware announcement. This one was interesting, though. We had Oculus come out and launch a, a new set of products, but I think they took a different take than they have in the past, and, and the main theme was going wireless right and being much less tethered than they have in the past so they released the oculus go which is a standalone uh, 199 bucks pretty cool a lot like the gear vr uh but um it's it does some cool things it's got audio uh it's got a new controller um and the biggest part is that it's not tethered to anything so not sure 100 percent if it's all powered by mobile they didn't talk about that as much but it sounds like it is it's also got a really cool ability to switch from uh oled to lcd so uh to do some power saving and, and there's some cool stuff in there so they announced that they also announced this new project which they didn't talk as much about in terms of when it comes out and what it's going to cost but the santa cruz headset so think about it as a a much more uh, again disconnected and, and non-tethered experience, but they actually put the headset tracking, uh, they call it inside out. So it's actually embedded in the actual device um, and they've got some wireless controllers. So they showed some work that you haven't seen in the VR space. The ability to be in a room, not have to have any of the devices that's that huge. track you. Yeah, it's huge. So I think that's gonna be a big thing. Drop the price on the Oculus Rift, uh, the bundle from 499 to 399. Uh, allow, they announced the Oculus for Business, so they're actually going to now start to do uh, bundles where you buy bulk. Smart. So smart. Yep. Um, and uh, and then you know Zuckerberg said he wants to get over a billion people using Facebook's virtual reality products. So they got a big vision for that. What's their What's their universe right now? Like seven people, I think. No, I don't know. It's not. Uh, I don't know the actual numbers, and yeah. I don't know that they're releasing the numbers sold. Yeah. But it's uh, it's nowhere near that. So that's a big projection. Um, the you, other big you put a thing, time box on that. A billion people buy. No, 
No. No. But you know that's their take. They want a billion yeah. they want a billion people before they think of a platform as something they can monetize. So interesting to say that he is telegraphing that this is gonna be one of those platforms, or at least aspirationally. Right. The last thing though that I thought was really interesting was a total new UI. And so um, with uh, Rift Core 2.0, they've actually introduced all sorts of new ways to use Oculus. But the most important one was that you can now run desktop apps. So go check out the video. We'll put it in the notes on the podcast. But there are some minority report ways that you can take your desktop and start to manage those apps that I think will be a bit of a game changer. That is wild. That is crazy. I guess the question is, is that going to, if that makes it into the workplace, eliminate the constant interruption of the open floor plan issue? <laughs> or will people also be bumping into you in virtual space? So like, hey, can I, can I just take a moment of your time? I know you were working really hard there on your desktop space. but That's actually a great way for us to save space, make the cube smaller. <laughs> exactly. But in Oculus, it looks like the biggest office possible. It could very well be the future of commuting. There, there we are. Terrifying. What do you think about the hardware? So I thought it was great. I look at it, and I think it's a bold move, right? Because we, we, you think about the promise of VR versus the reality of what it's become. And even though everybody's pouring money into it and you're seeing a lot of news announcements, you know, you're, it's not becoming a mainstream commercial grade technology. I have seen some agencies or some organizations pushing into like legitimized use cases. I think there's really fascinating opportunities for VR, especially in things like immersive journalism. I would love to take some of um, the legislators in DC that are voting down funding for international aid and immerse them into some of these things they're saying no to. Yeah. You I think that'd be really powerful, but it's not happening yet. You have to ask yourself, why is it not happening? And in truth, a lot of it is just the barrier to entry for the average person. So if you think about what it costs for an HTC Vive or a PlayStation VR gear or um, the Oculus Rift, you know, they're fancy ass technologies to begin with. And then you put a big price tag on them, uh, which is not doesn't even include the, the Alienware laptop you have to get with the, the, the quality of chip to run really super high-grade VR experiences. I think this goes a long way towards at least signaling to the marketplace, if we're gonna be serious about this, we may have to eat a little bit on the front end and cost just to build out the infrastructure uh, to go and make an industry out of it in the long term. And it felt to me like VR has been a 1% technology. Mm. Not Less only than, do you yeah. have, and that's generous, yeah. not only do you have to piece all of this hardware together and know that you can and have this you know, inordinate desire to do that, but then you have to have the money and the wherewithal to go through that, all to have an experience that's still very, very early on. Mm-hmm. And what I think you're seeing here is that now this is much more attainable. I mean, right? I, yeah, it is attainable. And the, the 1% thing is interesting because you said a uh, little known fact if you make more than $35,000 a year, you're in the 1% of the globe. Hmm. Pretty that's, wild. That's a sobering thought. Pretty, yeah, yeah. So with that, we're going to end the podcast. Go <laughs> um, home um, sad. But, the, you know, James touched on a really important point, which is it was expensive for consumers, but we deal in a space where it's expensive for organizations. We're talking about some of the biggest companies mm-hmm. in the world, and all, and we go to them, and they bite off on all the prototypes, and they love the vision. It's like, okay, how much is it going to cost me? And they look at that hardware line, and they tell me to get the fuck out. Of yeah. There's no way that I'm So for me, both personally and professionally, I got excited because it 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 showed, um, you know, much like we talked about the smart home and stuff. It showed validation. And so, um, one is somebody who thinks about VR and the future of it. I like it. Um, but two, 
if I, if this is what I do for a living, it's not solely what I do for a living. It's part and parcel of what I do. But if I'm some of these VR shops that sort of flooded the market and all that stuff, I'm breathing a sigh of relief mm-hmm. because they've been getting hammered by AR lately. And all of a sudden, one of the world's largest companies comes out and said, oh, by the way, we're not going away from our original vision. We're going to double down on it, triple down on it. And here's what it looks like. So I, if I were them, I'd be very excited. One of my favorite quotes was, I wonder who bought the first fax machine. Right. Because you know, like you're trying to sell this thing like so there's somebody else on the other end of this. No, no, no. We'll take care of that. Right. And I do think VR is kind of like that because you're you want to be a thought leader. You want to get out and be, you know, like early into what is obviously, you know, a potentially very impactful technology. But you're like, I'm not seeing these in in my friends homes. Right. Like I don't go and see my friends, kids playing with headsets and whatnot. Even when you do, it's like Google Cardboard. Right. And I don't see that as like a huge opportunity. So I think the fact that we could be bringing down a, a barrier to entry for the average consumer is is a really big play. The, the, the content production, too, that's interesting. So when you design, you design for portable, untethered content or experiences. Right. Like no matter what the situation, what it is. And the fact that now with Dash, is that what mm-hmm. it's called? Um, it's a new thing to test against, which is kind of a pain in the ass on QA mm. departments around the world. But um, it's a new thing that gives life to it because be- before it was all, you know, game engine type shit. You got Unity, you've got Unreal. It had to function like this, it had to function like that. And now what they're talking about, if I understand it a little bit, is they're talking about taking flat experiences and making them somewhat interactive in your space by wrapping around you somehow. So then you've got to think about that portability of content too. So it's pretty exciting. Definitely. I think that whole new use case is going to be something that we have to watch because you imagine you talked about the the spatial issues of being in an office environment. I mean, you put one of these things on you, you got headphones on, you're in a totally different world. And if you can start to layer productivity on mm-hmm. it, yeah. that becomes much more viable all of a sudden. So if I'm a business owner, I might be willing to spend 399 bucks. I'd spend 299 bucks if people you know aren't going to be upset that you got this open floor plan to kind of knock it out with Bose mm-hmm. headsets. <laughs> what if you could do 399 and all of a sudden they're in their own world? So that part was interesting to me. So I, I loved the idea of Dash. The question I have for you guys is, there's this war between AR VR. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think it's a war because I think people are choosing sides. And I think it was interesting that everyone went all in on VR in terms of what is going to be the next big thing yeah. because AR didn't have the technology and the hardware wasn't there to get us to experiences at scale. Then AR kit comes in, Google does the same thing and then it leapfrogs. Now you have Facebook doubling down. Is it a war or is it, I, 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 if it is, it's it's a short-term one. Like I'll be honest with you, AR is just leading the way for VR, and I, and I think VR requires a certain level of social and cultural acceptance that people may be ready Correct. for right now. And I think AR is going to be the thing that paves the way for that. When people get very, very used to, there may be something else lurking out there, like that I can't physically see right now, and they get used to uh, glimpses of the unknown and whatever. Uh, I think that just that's just going to be a so you gateway. think VR is the ultimate winner and that AR is a gateway drug. I, I do. I really, really do. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't even want, I love AR and I think uh, AR kit is a huge step in the right direction. And as you know, we're all playing around with ideas in AR, but I don't know that it has the long-term implications that VR has because it doesn't fundamentally alter anything. It just creates a layer on it top. It just augments it, things. It, it, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's right there. It's like right in the name, right? It like it. So does that, does that suppose that we move to a much more virtual world? Because that's my knock with v, with VR, and I and I, I I think I agree with you. But that also 
makes the assumption that we get out of the real world. So where AR is winning to me is that you don't have to put on goggles. You can do it anywhere. You can do it while we're having a conversation and it is socially acceptable. VR is a total shift. So what do you think? You think I think that again, I think the the use cases and the implications for what you can do with VR are so much more sophisticated than AR. Like think about really what AR is going to do. So uh, can I actually overlay a commercial when I'm, you know, like looking at a product or something like that? You know, can I provide additional information? Can I create something that's engaging? Sure, but it's not fundamentally shifting the entire world around you, which is really what touches that human nerve, right? That whole, like, why I would become engrossed in something. Um, remember, uh, there was those rash of stories uh, about people losing their jobs or getting divorced because of World of Warcraft, Right. And, you know, like their mortgages would become jeopardized. And I know I get it. I roll my eyes, too. But it was a real thing. People would become so immersed in this, um, like the Leroy Jenkins clip where like you know, people have been working clips. on it. Yeah, one of the greatest clips of all time. Of Leroy all time. Jenkins. And, <laughs> but it becomes a thing because people become so emotionally invested in these alternate universes where they are relieved of their day to day inadequacies, you know, and they, they actually are able to go and have faith that maybe they have some semblance of control where in the real world they don't. AR doesn't offer that. VR can. I think, and I think it's fundamentally bigger as a result. Yeah, and I, I think we're dividing the war now because we don't understand the, the pending um, overlords of mixed reality. And I think the, um, the sensors being put inside of the goggles is a huge step forward because that means that they're going to be able to understand you from your point of view, your space, not this, not inverse, right? It's you in the space versus the space around you. And that's a fundamental shift, I think. And then, you know, we've, we've done some pretty cool AR stuff inside of a headset by accessing the camera. So it's only matter, like, I, th I think that we're shortening the distance to mixed reality. And we're talking about these things as if they're different. Um, I think because people have the tendency to do that and be very tribal in their approach to you versus me versus us versus them bullshit. The reality is what we're doing is we're holding up some form of lens and we're changing what you're looking at. It can be all of it. It can be a little bit of it. It can be fun. It can be serious. But at, this, at the level, it's the same thing. And I think it's a brief moment in time to where this, this faux war will wage. And then ultimately it will be, you get to decide your level of mixed reality. Does so it happen say from brief, your pocket or your head? What does that mean? Is that, is that six months? Is that two years? Is that five I think, years? I think we're 10 years. 10 years. I think 10 years brief. to what? 10, 10 years until like a mixed reality is a norm to where when somebody wants to jump on a phone call, there's, they hold on and they put a peripheral on their face and then they get to work. The, you know, the chicken coop structure of an office workplace where you actually only have a four by four, but you're looking at a beach in Jamaica, mm -hmm. 10 years. So I think 10 years is a good measuring stick because there's that whole 10-10 rule, right? Mm -hmm. Like 10 years for a technology to come into market and 10 years for it to go mainstream if it's really going to do that, right? It's a 20-year arc. And I think that's pretty well accepted standard innovation cycle. The, um, the thing I think about though is like generational overlap, right? And when is it going to start really indoctrinating children? Like uh, that example when we were at Best Already. Buy and I said kid walked up to that 50-inch television and he thought it was an iPad. He's like five years old and he just tried to swipe left on it and move it all. And he's like really frustrated that it wasn't happening. He's growing up in an environment with touch screens. Like we didn't. We came into them as adults. But That's when it's fundamentally how, impactful. How old was that kid? He was like five. Right. So he'll be 15 in 10 years. He'll be 18 by the time he does anything remotely relevant in terms of being responsible, being able to earn money and spend it, unless he's like some crack developer, 
which is about 10 years. And then he'll start to buy devices that fuel these things. Not crack developer. No. Crack developer. Crack. No, no, I meant, developer. no, nope. I, I meant be crack, crack developer. I meant cocaine. <laughs> I didn't know that New was Jack thing, City. But I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> right on the street. Um, yeah, yeah so. I, I think it is interesting because we are training. And a few episodes ago, we talked about um, how there's entire generations around um, uh, machine vision and QR codes and augmented reality that they don't actually understand the words that are powering this or the work that went into it. Um, they don't, but, but if you, you know, my example is if you put a phone up to a three to five year old, they're going to stick their tongue out because they think that something's going to happen. And to your point, James is like, it's only a matter of time until it's acceptable. And then there's a, something else in there, which is like, the continuation of a dystopian society, right? Like, are we going to get to a point where you constantly have to escape? I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to leave politics yeah, aside. Right. Say for the last eight months, I would. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Well, alternate reality, or something else happened. I think we are in an alternate reality right now. No, so if you um, if if you go back to the core issue, we talked about it being technology. We talked about it being price. Yep. Is the core issue that VR faces today? cultural adoption and how acceptable it is or not because we were talking about this earlier but the idea that um you can pull out your phone and it's okay and that's just culturally acceptable but to put a you know a headset on while other people are around is just weird nobody would do it but today's kids don't actually connect with each other for the most part. Most of their interactions are happening virtually they're happening in separate rooms so there's no there's nothing that would keep me from putting on this device and having a deeper non-physical connection, but some sort of virtual but connection. But there is now, actually, and that's really interesting that you mentioned that. Because if you think back to what we saw, Lowe's did that installation in a couple of uh, stores. And then on top of it, we piloted a couple of things. And one of the things we noticed, and, and I'm not generalizing, this was legitimately a trend that I saw, was females were more reticent to wear the gear than males because they were more sensitive to like putting things on their face. I don't, I'm not going to claim to know why that is. I just know that's what I saw. And there are physical barriers to it as well that I think the designers haven't addressed uh, Brandon, when you when you the first thing you do when you go and get a headset ready for someone to try out something, you, you wipe the lenses. Yep. You know, you clean it, you sanitize it as a clear demonstration to them, like, hey, it's okay to put this on, right? But there is there's physical and, and cultural resistance as well. And there there is a cultural thing. And when and you you said it well, just thought that I had when Ben was talking was about the there's a vulnerability to it that it'd be super interesting to get a younger generation, like some high schoolers, junior high, be like, how do you feel when you do this? Um, you know, I'm James is going to grab another delicious beverage as we plow on episode Ocho. <laughs> um, cheers. And there's a, there's just a vulnerability to it where I'd be interested to see. So I'm a fairly confident individuals. I no. run through no. life. You don't play up, play it off. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I, I pretend to be confident. I'll say that, but there is a moment where I'm alone in this space, and everybody can see me, and I can see nobody. Right. So the one, that's a cultural adoption. Like, is it normal to see people who with these things on their heads? And then two, are you comfortable enough with the people around you to yeah, do it? What's actually happening? Yep. Yeah. I, I think as they start to design for that experience, that emotional. Sort and that's of why I just don't see AR requiring that much consideration. I mean, like you're like, no. oh, all right, well, I've got a phone. And uh, the world is boring, so I'm going to give it a little cinnamon on top, right? That's what AR is. VR is fundamentally a paradigm shift to use a terrible... You should call me on a buzz term. Uh, I just caught myself. Paradigm shift. Paradigm Paradigm. I shifted the paradigm. I synergized it. So (laughs) 
So then, are we headed to a Ready Player One society? Um, oh. Real quick, can you can you give us the cliff notes of Ready Player oh, One? Oh, can, can I just tell you, I love that book, and I can't book. wait for the movie. Great um, cliff notes without the fanboyism. Uh, it is our dystopian future okay. where we have all, because of our growing uh, inequity and uh, lack of social progress, escaped into this common virtual reality that is our distraction, but also our home day to day. And there is a competition to inherit the fortune of which essentially is the Bill Gates of virtual reality in the future. Um, but there is a evil corporation that is standing in the way, um, and it is up to our lone hero to fight off the armies, recruit the allies, and ultimately bring the world back into a place of good. Is that, well that, that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, because okay. I love the book, and I'm really excited about the movie. So are we headed there? Well, I'd like to think that humanity is always headed to a place where a lone hero uh, rallies allies and <laughs> returns the world to a place of good. I'd like to think that. Um, I think that is an exaggeration, but I do think that, generally speaking, there is that opportunity. And, and, and I think there's an opportunity that we're all going to face when VR does mainstream of having to tame ourselves and not become engrossed. I mean, you see this cyclically with every new sort of engrossing thing. Like, remember how, like when Prodigy was online, I'm going to date myself, but when like first, when the internet came on, yeah. people just lose themselves for hours talking to people. Like, I met a guy who likes fishbone in Shanghai. Whoa. Craziest thing ever, right? Now, now it's like, I'm constantly like, I, 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 Facebook is like, that would blow people's mind back then. But there will be a time where people become super engrossed in it, but I think we'll normalize to cultural standards and be like, hey, it's not cool, there's that guy who can't get off his headset. You know, I, I don't know that we're going there, but I think there's the, the danger, um, if, if we're not careful with it, um, of short-circuiting it too. You know, there was that great article in Business Insider Intelligence this week talking about how media had become saturated. And um, marketers were looking at the connected car as the last place where they might you know, stick Ugh. a new commercial. And it just made me so mad because there's this commercial opportunism that exists in all of these new platforms. Six-minute apps? <laughs> exactly. Six minute. um, and so uh, like the PNG two-second ad experiment. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I'm more worried about with, with VR is we jack it up. We mess it up with like, you know, like brought to you by Pampers. Pampers. Well, not virtual comfort. Real it, comfort. And it probably will start there, but I think the if you look at uh, Ready Player One, that there was a lot of that in there. But what I saw out of the Facebook event today, the Oculus event, for the first time was some sort of productivity that could come out of this. And I'm I'm I, I love the idea of VR, but I'm not a VR guy. I'm not the kind who's going to put together my own rig and and soup things up and spend a lot of time in it. But when I start to think about, I do so many conference calls. I do yep. so many remote meetings. Yep. If I could put this thing on and have a face-to-face -face conversation mm -hmm. with people that felt real, the difference that would make in business, in the way that you manage people, in the way that you build relationships would be a fundamental change. And now that it is actually scalable to where we might be able to buy one of these for all of our employees, technology's not there. That's a... But it's not Jumping 10 back, years though, out. It's a, a year out. That's something yeah, we missed two years in the last out. question, though, is subsidies, right? That $399 and $199 price point, exactly what you're talking about. Like, remember what AT&T and Verizon did when the iPhone first came out? They just bought them and gave them to people. And I really think, I didn't mean to, to jump back, but that, that was a key point. But getting, getting back on, looking at that, the, the, the thing is, is that 
it's gonna, it's the only way we get to a truly engrossing future is when two things, one, it has a legitimate use case, right? Which I'm sorry, a lot of what we see in VR right now isn't there, right? But two, it becomes better than reality. You know, and you think about, um, there was a, a thing with uh, Microsoft years ago, and it was based on their uh, Xbox Connect technology, but it was Project Milo, and it was an intelligent child that lived in this virtual world, and his own real kinetic interface was the Xbox Connect camera. And that's what I want to bump into. Things that I are unpredictable. Fake kids? <laughs> Come on, well, man. Things that are unpredictable. A world where I yeah. don't know it's scripted, right? That's yeah. where I'll spend time. Yeah. And once we figure that out, once we figure out how to make the world seem as organic in virtual reality as it is in the real world, but without all the negative side effects, I think that's when we get to Ready Player One because you're always like, oh, but wouldn't you have to? That's sus- better. Oh, we're we're, <laughs> we're getting getting real. Yeah, I was gonna say, wouldn't you have to to essentially suspend all of the negativity from real life because it's not like you'd be able to. No, but you can uh, charge for less, right? <laughs> yeah, like that's fair. Well, man. maybe, but that's where this productivity element and things that can today have an impact on what happens in the physical real world right by doing something in the virtual world adds more benefit than we've seen in the past so to my example of can i do some sort of uh meeting structure or you know conference call and we're all in the same room i don't have to get on a plane yep i I don't have to really leave and leave my house but i can make connections that are much deeper i understand what's happening i can write on a whiteboard and all those things very tactical and probably rooted in what we know today and but there's a lot of value so what gets me excited is that i think that will start to get people to adopt but then there's probably totally different ways of using vr that we haven't even thought about and and we're, the lens we're looking through is what we know today. It's going to open up all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, I, and it's an interesting back to the us versus them and the war between AR and VR. And again, we don't fact check, but my gut tells me that VR has always been couched in a more, much more serious manner, right? It's it's always had in my mind. It's always had this lens of productivity you know it's not like the main thing but productivity is always there business meetings are always there the ability to tell a story better about you know and people have done great stuff about um live a live a minute in this person's life when they try to go get water in Mm sub-saharan africa Mm -hmm. and things like that and ar is the opposite ar is just it's like the fart app of, <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like I've got some very fart thin, app. Never gets very, more very, very thin. Show. Very like I, I'm here for a little while. Um, I'm gonna check it out and then I'm done. Right. And the things that have driven to try to be more serious in AR are the ones that are failing most in my mind. Right. So it, it can't detect the floor. It's not quite construction grade measurement. The couch isn't really to scale. Um, but then the fun stuff is awesome. Like even some of the games that we've developed in house are. Like they're still on my phone. I play them all the time. Uh, and, and just some of the uh, like zombie games and stuff. But like, where's the seriousness of AR? And I think that gets into shareable experiences. But VR's always had this business angle to it. And I think it's because of the HoloLens, right? So in, in AI, I talk about the, like, the long run up to disappointment of, of AI. The first reference to AI I could get to is like this play in 1920 something. And essentially this robotic butler killed its master. <laughs> Right, and so we've been told that uh, AI is awesome, 
and it will be. It's just not yet. And so people are disappointed. I think that's what happened with VR. Everyone came out of the box and they're like, this shit's awesome. It works just like Star Trek. And it doesn't. Ever since Lawnmower Man. Ever since Lawnmower Man. Great and, movie. Fantastic movie. Pierce and, uh, Brosnan's third finest work. <laughs> uh, number two, Goldeneye. Number and one, number one, Thomas Crown Affair. That's exactly right. In All that right. order. Dang, we agreed on the We movies. go back, we count backwards. In the okay, we still disagree scale. on the Fast and Furious, but that's yes. all right. Um, <laughs> and we'll always. <laughs> but we agree on Kurt Russell's wardrobe being the greatest in Hollywood of all time. Yeah. And yeah. I defy anybody to prove Tombstone. it. Yeah. Tombstone. And how Top Gun was Val Kilmer's ninth best movie. <laughs> we, we agree um, on that. Ninth best. Yeah, well, actually, that's he, a whole other podcast. He said that, and then I actually ticked it off. I was like, Heat, Tombstone. He's like, oh, man, you're right, man. That's, you weren't even close. That's legit. That guy looks like shit these days. Yeah, I've yeah. seen him. Even oh, like um, R.I.P. Top yeah. Secret was better He's not than his dead. Role in Top Gun. Well, he just pretty has much. cancer. Oh, pretty man. Much. I didn't, know, I didn't even know he I had know cancer. That. Well, now I feel like an asshole. I, I, think, we're, I oh. think we're digressing. All right. Well, virtual reality. <laughs> I'll wrap it up here, man. Uh, we're 30 minutes into thinking about uh, Facebook's uh, double, triple down on, on VR. I think we're kind of in a consensus again. This is two in a row that we kind of agree with what we saw. Do you want to? I'm going to put a caveat on yeah, that. Please. I think it only works if others follow suit. Right? This is a signal of the marketplace that as a whole, if you look at who's doing this, like Samsung, they're already losing money till the cows come home. Facebook, they have money to burn, right? And they all want to go out. They're going to money whip the shit out of this thing until it works. They are. But in, in, if you look at it, this only works if everybody else is like, oh, we got to go down to 399 too. What can we do to get down to 399 Otherwise, people are going to be like, well, why is that 399 and that one's 799 You know, would you buy like two? Samsung Note was $199 and the iPhone was $899. Don't you think there'd be a perceptual difference in quality, right? So if everybody goes down... Everybody wins. But if the market fails to react, I think, I think there's I, a problem. I think it puts an onus on, I'll let you jump in here and say, but I think it puts an onus on content creators. So we talked a lot about generational overlap and we're just, you know, sitting in a basement in Austin. What do we know? Not a whole lot, but you've got to create a reason why on Black Friday, that 14 year old is going to ask for that. Right. What and that's what I don't see yet. It's like this big promise, other than the fact that Zuck's gonna be in Washington at some point. That's a different podcast too. But he promises that this thing's gonna be awesome. But what exactly are we talking about? And how are you getting the four hundred dollars out of somebody's hands? That's not clear to me yet. I think that's a great point and I completely agree with that. And we won't get over this hump until the content is there. The only thing I saw out of yesterday that would make me think a little bit differently was the fact that I can start to run desktop apps. So the yep. fact that yeah, I can yeah. use the things I needed to be in and work with every single day, it makes it an everyday type thing yep. versus just uh, a specific use. So uh, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on it. Yeah. I, I liked it because I saw a co- along with what you're talking about, the, um, the sensors in the headset, like which I talked about earlier, essentially like inversing how it understands where you are, I thought it was a was a mega mega thing, um, and I actually saw it. Um, I always call bullshit on Facebook and their business utility. I just I don't think that it's the place I call questions in their. It's like when stuff. AOL tried to put AOL mail into the AOL enterprise <laughs> and it's cratered. But um, I saw it directly as a business application. I, I, it's probably the way that we live our lives, but I mean if this could be an enterprise solution before it the 14 year old asks for it and 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 they can be successful they can reach the billion that they want to reach just Mm. on that alone so cool and uh before we wrap this whole thing up uh 
we picked one topic of a lot of cool things that we saw this week. And I just, you know, we don't need to go deep, but you know, of all the headlines that came across our desktop or in the hallway or on Slack, uh, open-ended question to Ben first. Like what's one of the coolest things that you saw this week or most, most interesting or however you want to frame that. Coolest thing, creepiest thing across the board I saw this week, but I love it. Uh, Amazon talking about releasing a new doorbell. Everybody knows that that's coming out, but they may allow delivery drivers to have a single use code to come into your house and drop off groceries or your Amazon Prime packages. That to me, interesting, a little bit creepy, pretty cool. Man, yeah, right. Yeah. They also talked about being able to get people access to your car trunk. So that's all where kinds all the, of weird that's where all monsters. The dead bodies are. Exactly. <laughs> What about you, James? So for me, um, it has to be the Harvest Project, which is, I think, still on paper. But it was really cool. It's uh, engineer artist named Julian Oliver. Um, he's set up these wind turbines, and it just uses renewable energy to power these laptops that mine for Bitcoin that are reinvested into climate research. So I thought that was really fucking cool. It's like, hey, man, way to go. I love that. Nice in fact, I will put some in my backyard if I can. Cool. Uh, mine has nothing to do with technology, but it is the coolest, most interesting thing I saw, which is... The fact that Switzerland's, you got it? Yeah, we're good. All right, good. Switch, Switzerland flushes $2 million worth of gold down the toilet a year. Explain. 70% of all the gold is refined in Switzerland, of the world's gold, right? Due to flake and on hands, on clothes, on this, on that, on the other, they did a 70%, or they, they studied 70% of all the water treatment plants in Switzerland, and they found 95 pounds of gold flake. And that's it. That's the coolest thing. <laughs> so that was never a get-rich-quick scheme for me, which is like create a water filtration system in Switzerland. That would never occurred to me. That's amazing. Anyway, that's the coolest thing I saw this week, man. The most eyebrow-raising. And, and that was after Putin said that blockchain is criminal. Which is <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> China shoves themselves into some of their biggest businesses. And uh, I found out something like uh, half of all of Amazon's uh, sales are come from third parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a giant Switzerland gold flushing is the number one coolest thing I saw. <laughs> all right. That's cool, man. Uh, consensus all around for the uh, second time in a row. Episode Ocho uh, in the can from Austin, Texas off of uh, North Lamar. North Lamar. Uh, for Austin Sound Engineer, Carly Innovation Coordinator, James Laney, Ben Gaddis. This is Brandon Gredler. This has been Cocktails and Questions. Until next time. See you next week. Bye. All right, hallelujah and holy shit. That was the Ocho of Cocktails and Questions, the eighth episode uh, where we have some cocktails and take a look at the world of technology and business. That was a fun one, man. Two in a row where we agreed, three in a row where we talked about hardware. Getting a little tired of talking about hardware, to be perfectly honest with you. But it needed to be looked at because Facebook doubled down on VR and, and had a major step in the scalability, not only for consumers, but for organizations. Kind of got us all excited. We were able to keep the uh, podcast on the rails, even though we touched the perimeter of transcendentalism and what does it mean to actually be alive and what is reality. So that's a different podcast, I imagine. Probably some time for the multiverse anyway. Thank you guys for tuning in. 
rate and review us on iTunes if you got something nice to say. If you got something nasty to say, let us know too, man, because this thing is a work in progress. We appreciate you tuning in. We love the fact that you gave us the time uh, on your day-to-day, either at your desk or in your commute, wherever you're listening to this thing. Tell your friends, and most importantly, be kind to your friends. Be kind to one another and to yourself. Until next time, this is Cocktails and Questions. This is your friend Brandon Grether. Talk to you later.